listening or perhaps watching to another episode of Retail Redeveloped. So we've got a we've got a little bit of a different show for you today. I'm being joined by Barry Green. Now Barry and I have decided we want to talk about two different things here because Barry does a lot of stuff. First thing, he's the CEO of Shades of Moss Plant Shop. Now the reason I wanted to talk to him about this, it's kind of a nouveau. Uh, category that I'm seeing now that that is actually a lot of fun in a merchandising mix. It brings really interesting people to a potential center, uh, and and frankly, it, it's something that is not uh, being overdone yet. You know, it's not it's not me just knocking out 15 different restaurants uh, in a row. It's something that that can kind of add to a merchandising mix, and so I think it's really exciting. I want to explore that a little bit, find out about how he kind of got into business and, and what he hopes to achieve. Uh, but he also is the founder of Mint City Connect. And I'm going to let Barry tell you a little bit about what Mint City Connect is, uh, what the mission is all about, and what they're trying to accomplish. But, uh, but both have me, have me really intrigued, and I think we're going to have a really fun conversation. Barry, thank you for dealing with all of my IT and tech issues and me being a, a, a whiny little baby for the first few minutes we were on because I couldn't make myself my breakfast that I was ready for. So <laughs> thank you for sticking with me and not just hanging up on me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. All right, Barry, do me a favor. Before we jump into it, tell tell people a little bit about who you are. Uh, tell them a little bit about Shades of Moss Plant Shop. Uh, and, and then from there, we'll, we'll kind of transition into Mint City Connect here in just a second. Sure, sure. So uh, Shades of Moss was launched uh, last June. Um, it was originally just a retail space for plants, um, housewares, candles, just anything you can think of that you'd want in your space. Um, my idea for retail was that I worked in retail for about 10 years. So I had all the, the background to create a retail business, but I wanted to put that retail with customer service in a plant world. Um, you can go to a nursery, you can go to you know these big box retailers and buy plants, but I really wanted to add that customer service aesthetic and help people who've never had a plant before get a lot more comfortable with a plant. Um, me having a background about three years of indoor gardening and then just overall having that retail background, it just made sense to, to bring the world together, leave my day job and do it full time. So walk me through, I mean, you touched on, on one thing I wanted to ask you kind of right off the bat. How, why do you think that there is this space for kind of a boutique plant shop when you know, I live right down the street from Home Depot, you know, I, I know that there's nurseries in town. My mom was a florist, uh, put me through uh, school as a florist here in town. Walk me through what you guys do to differentiate yourselves and, and, and kind of give a, a little bit of a different spin on, on retail and, and why you think that's going to help you guys thrive. Yeah. So, you know, the big thing for us was that we were very service focused. So out of a lot of the other stores, probably one of the few or the only that you can literally take your plant that you just aren't doing well with and bring it into the shop and say, Hey, I need help with this. And we can sit down and kind of walk through and talk about what, what is going on and dissect right there on the spot. Um, and that's what, what made our business very unique. It wasn't about me selling you more plants after they died and you come back and buy more plants and that relationship um, that you get really with big box retailers or even nurseries, they don't know, you know, if you killed your last plant or whatever. Um, but I, I'm having that 
conversation with you when I'm asking you, hey, how was that Chinese evergreen that you picked up last week? Is it still doing well? Um, you know, that Monstera, do you, are you quite ready for it in your bedroom? I know you said you wanted to put it in your bedroom. You know, it's, it's taking something that seems so, um, you know, run of the mill, like, hey, I'm just going to walk in, I'm going to buy a plant, and I'm going to leave, and making it more like a furniture store or making it more like a design store when you're walking in and you're being catered to and you have an identity in that space and you have an opportunity to really open up and say, hey, I need help in this room, this room, and this room. Instead of that conversation from a furniture perspective, you're saying, hey, I need help with this plant, this plant, and this plant. And then I merge these two worlds together with my house calls. So now I'm in your home and I'm walking through each space and we're having the conversation about your current routine. We're having a conversation about what to do when you go on vacation or you leave the home, uh, what to do with your pets. You know, Charlotte's a very dog-friendly home. So to have a conversation to say, this might be poisonous to your pet. That's something that you should, you know, you'd be passionate about to hear from a salesperson. So it was very like vital for me to give more information than just the the sell and the transaction. So the so the big question on my mind is how the hell do you keep a fiddle leaf fig alive? My wife has had to have killed like a thousand dollars in these stupid plants. <laughs> And she talks to it like it's a living, breathing human that, that she cares about. And fiddle leaf don't care. Like, yeah, it's just going to die. Like, it, it, I think, like, what? How do we keep these damn things alive? Or, or even better, how do I convince my wife to not buy anymore? I'm good with you. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a couple plants that I just won't allow in my house anymore. Um, fiddle leaf fig is one of them. Um, and also my calatheas. But, Thank you know, you. The biggest thing about fiddle leaf figs is they don't like to be moved at all, like at all. Mm -hmm. So if you're a person who likes to move your plant throughout the house to kind of see what's going on, it has to be reacclimated. And that's where a lot of people run into to trouble with them. So I call it the finicky fig. Oh, <laughs> I hate that thing. Hate it. <laughs> all right. So, so you were named... Uh, Charlotte's top plant shop. Yes. Um, like how, how have you figured out kind of the marketing, uh, the, and, and how do you, how have you kind of curated your following uh, and, and what could other retailers learn from, from what you've done? What, what is a little bit of your secret sauce of, of kind of keeping that vibe up and going? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about making it personal, you know, um, there's, you know, when you walk in a Best Buy, you think how many times you walked in a Best Buy, maybe even years ago, if, if a salesperson made it personal to you, hey, that TV we put in your living room last time, are you ready to get a speaker set? You're already having a different relationship with that salesperson than you would with, you know, someone else at the register. So me yep. working at Best Buy for three years and knowing, mm -hmm. hey, I helped build this person's car audio system from scratch. Right. I've, I've taken that same concept and put it in a boutique setting. So if the reason that we want people to support small businesses is because we, we have this ability to make it personal, then when the money's good, we still have to make it personal. It can't right. just be, okay, we have good location, we're getting good foot traffic, and now we don't have the time for a 30-minute presentation with customers because right. that's that's pretty much what I have to do. And But it's because of those conversations that, you know, they, they put in, you know, that article that that's what made 
us kind of stand out was that service. You know, I, even when we, when I was out with COVID, I had my mom there and I would, every time a customer would come in, I would FaceTime her or she would FaceTime me and say, Hey, I got another one. You know, can you kind of walk her through or walk him through what they need? And I didn't have an issue with that because again, it's all about service and, and making it personal and, and really telling them how much you appreciate them. You know, we have nine plant shops here in Charlotte. Like, <laughs> why me? You know, why come and support me? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going sw- to switch gears on you really right. hard here. What, what made you create Mint City Connect? You, what is your mission statement? What do you want to achieve? Uh, like, like help, help me understand uh, and help, help the listeners and the watchers understand exactly what it is that you're doing and, and what made you start it. I'll, I'll let you kind of give, give everybody the, the, the preface. Sure. So it, it, it's really a personal story to me. And it's a conversation that I've noticed I've had with a lot of other, you know, black entrepreneurs and creatives where um, we don't have the space here in the city to get, even get started. And if we do get a space to get started, there's hoops to jump through. Um, if you came to the very first Shades of Moss, we were inside of an old house on the second floor. So street visibility was a major issue. It's like I had all these great things happening for me, all this press and people couldn't find me. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see that that's a, a ongoing thing where right. if you want to support a, a black owned restaurant, it's either a food truck where you have to find out where they are located that day. You have to figure out, you know, this line at lose or, you know, how long is that wait time because they don't have the inside capacity. You know, it's so many times that people are going to jump through hoops to support. You know, they really want to just, hey, I'll take my money, take my money. But if we don't have the visibility or the, the, the landscape to support that, then they're going to go elsewhere. And ultimately, it's going to make you want to go elsewhere. So I sat down with my fiance after um, my last lease ended and I said, you know, Baby, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Black businesses are thriving there. I, I don't understand what's the disconnect. You know, um, you know, one thing I noticed that they're finding a way to keep the businesses intact and renovating rather than knocking down and making new. So it's retaining a lot of the character um, and they're still able to, to give amazing rents in their downtown location. I'm talking $1,200 to $1,500 retail rents for, you know, a new business. That's, that's amazing. Um, and I wanted to leave, you know, we talked about leaving. I mean, everything was in a way of like, okay, I just moved there. There's only one plant shop there. Let's do it. Um, but ultimately it got to a place where I said, Hey, I built a foundation here. We built a foundation here. You know, people I'm in Trader Joe's with my mask on and, Oh, that's the plant guy. You know, like they just can recognize me. So why leave that? You know, um, and it's a, it's a conversation of connecting um, Black creators and entrepreneurs and giving them hope that you don't have to go to Atlanta. You don't have to go to Dallas. You don't have to go to Detroit or Chicago or D.C. to thrive as a Black business. We just have to come together and figure out how we can collaborate and, and talk to developers and investors and figure out how we can fit in these spaces. Because Charlotte has too rich of a history for African-Americans for us to go elsewhere. It, 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 we have the resources here. We just have to have the conversations to figure out how we fit in that space. So, you know, affordable retail spaces is going to be a thing that's going to be necessary. Um, you know, grants are, are great, but when you limit how we can use those grants, 
that's that's also going against how you know we can thrive here. So it's just more so about finding the answers to the questions. You know, we have you know black celebrities here that have yet to really open businesses. You know, I wonder why. I want to have these conversations. You know why they're opening businesses in, in other cities instead of here where you have that, that following and you have um, the support, you know, why go elsewhere? So it's just really answering those questions and seeing that we've had a history of black creatives leaving because they, they've been kind of pushed out. And, and I don't want that to continue to be a thing when you have, you know, your, your top tier restaurants making Esquire and, you know, they get eventually exhausted from so much press coverage and they don't have, you know, anyone helping them hold those chains up like that. That becomes exhausting over time. So my idea is if, if more of us stay here, then you create more of a bed for everyone to be comfortable and, and create right here in Charlotte. And we just had to have those conversations. So I, I want to understand the conversation because, again, I, I'm coming from like the complete opposite uh, side of the table, right? Like yeah. I, I do a lot. So I, all I do all day is retail, right? But, but my always the opposite of, of what we were just talking about. In my mind, I'm like, okay, how can I press rents? How can I get a better return for my investor or my landlord? Or, you know, if I'm representing, like a lot of the stuff that I do is, is a little bit bigger, not more national. And it's like, okay, we've got to be at Maine and Maine. You know, we've got to be at, you know, Camden and, and West Boulevard and South end and it costs what it costs. Right. So, so how can somebody like me that is like just looking through a different lens, like, like how can I join that conversation? Like, what do you think? Cause I'm just like a straight up capitalist, like real estate guy. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, it's all about like returns and it's all about IRR and it's all about all this, all, you know, what, what looks good on a spreadsheet a lot of times. Right. Um, right. So how can I get involved in that conversation uh, in a meaningful way? Yeah, it's 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 really about figuring out. Um, I, I completely understand the business is business aspect of, you know, making sure that you got prime location and you're getting the best bang for your buck. Um but I, I really think that if we have the conversation of microspaces, um, that you can actually get probably a better return on your rate rather than a one tenant of 900 square feet, you know, that's probably going to be a chain from somewhere, allowing more foot traffic from, say, four, you know, 200 square foot spaces that are all local and having, you know, extended patio, you know, places for them to set up some of their merchandise. I think that allows people to get into the game and ultimately you're able to make more money. So say that 900 square foot was, you know, I don't know, $28 per square foot. Maybe you're, you're oh, still geez. able to, yeah, you know, you're, you're still able to make probably even more. You're just charging higher. You know, if you charge us, I don't know, a thousand square, you know, a thousand dollars per person, that's still a, under our $2,000 budgets. And that yeah. allows a thousand dollars freed up in capital now to hire more people or to do more online or um, to do, you know, delivery and drop off. So it's, it's more so about getting those spaces. You know, I, yeah. I, one of the things that I, I, I heard you say, and you made a great point, was really about the um, Optimus Hall being such a great, great idea, right, for restaurants, micro restaurants getting in and getting started. And then you really only have one retail space. So somewhere in there, it doesn't make a hub or a destination for
for someone who's already eaten. But you should, you know, as a developer, it's like, how can I keep this person here longer? Yeah. You know, how can I keep the customer here, you know, longer? And, you know, Camp North and I think is starting to figure that out where, yeah. hey, if I get them to eat here, okay, then they go plant shopping. And you really try to figure out because you have happy tenants, everyone stays. Um, yeah. And I think that's well where you, yeah. You call it yeah. well time, yeah. And I think there's, uh, you know, we're in 7th Street Public mm-hmm. Market from our on you. Can you hear me? Yeah, so like 7th Street. Yeah, 7th Street Public Market, I think, was on the right track with the retail and um, restaurants and then even a bar. I think that was, you know, a great start. Um, And I just want to see that continue in other parts of Charlotte, you know, Pineville, you know, other places where, um, you know, there's a a really a destination hub. And it's under $2,000 for us to get started and say, okay, I'd rather spend you know, I don't know, $3,000 on first, last, and, you know, startup cost rather than $2,000. And we're just getting, you know, we're just getting in the, in the game. So yeah, I, I think you hit on something important and it's something that is becoming more and more a part of the conversation for me and more and more of what I see as a way to combat the, you know, the cost of being in Maine and Maine. Uh, and you mentioned Richmond. It's why I made a note as soon as you mentioned it, because when I'm, when I'm traveling in Richmond a close buddy that, that lives and I go and visit. Um, it is older spaces and it is spaces that are a lot smaller, right? So yeah. it's not yeah. it's not these new modern uh, buildings that just have you know three four thousand square foot bays. So I think that gives them a you know a little bit of a competitive advantage um, in their ability to offer more approachable rents. But right. then you have uh, what what happened in South End that uh, Furman and Ascent did, where they did those micro units. And I think that's a sign of things to come. I, I believe that uh, that there is a place for that, uh, and and I feel like I'm getting repetitive because this keeps coming up in um, in these podcasts consistently. Yeah. Now it's it's the ability to kind of round out your tenant mix and curate a really interesting tenant mix because you do have six users instead of one or two, uh, and you are giving people that that would brick and mortar space or wouldn't be able to get one yet right. uh, the ability to come in and get established the only fear that i have and this isn't a you know a retail uh owner issue it's it's more of a landlord issue is, is that management component right it's a lot harder to manage you know seven people than it is one yeah. um but you could also argue that, that you're diversifying your risk a lot better right you've got seven checks coming in one guy doesn't make it you know, it's not sinking the ship. So right. I really think it could be something really exciting um, that, that developers should start giving a little bit more thought to. And you mentioned Camp North End. They, they've been at the forefront of this. Obviously, they're trying to establish a destination that's going to be there for a generation. Uh, and they're willing to do the, the hard work up front to get that done. So right. I, I think it's really exciting. I think we're going to see more and more of it. I hope that we're going to see more and more of it. Right. Uh, and, and another point that you made, which I think is dead on, is you can only have so many restaurants, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The food, doesn't, food still doesn't taste good on Amazon, right? And yeah. we can get yeah. it delivered, but you know when it gets delivered, it's like 50% chance of being exactly right, right? right. And it's not going to be hot and yada, yada, yada. And, and I think giving uh, the consumer the ability to do three or four different things, will is it's a no-brainer. It's going to increase dwell time. It's going to increase spend. Uh, and, and I think it could be, I think it could be a really big benefit. 
Yeah, I think it also increased tourism, though, as well. You know, it's like if when your your people come to town, whether it's your, your you know parents or your, your friends, you know, as things open back up, it's like if you say, hey, take me somewhere cool, you know, it's like if they've already eaten, that eliminates a lot of our destination spaces, you know. Um, and I, I love the idea. I don't know if you ever heard of the Torpedo Factory up in Alexandria, where it's an open space um, artist where they're able, you're able to go there and either watch artists work. You can watch artists, um, you know, put their stuff together. You can purchase from the artist. It's a one-stop solution to support the creatives. And they're really small. I mean, they're probably, I don't know, eight by eight suites for these artists to really be able to showcase their work. Um, that would be cool since we do have so much of an art scene here in Charlotte, you know, um, containers is another option. If, if, the materials are getting too costly, then maybe we should switch the materials. You know, um, there should there should be other options um, for maybe container spaces here in the Charlotte area and getting creative with um, giving small businesses different looks rather than just a vanilla shell. You know, one of the things that people used to tell me about Shades of Moss, the first location, is they loved that I was in an old house the creaking of the floors and, yep. you know, just the look. And if we kind of kept that integrity or we found ways to utilize it, I think that it, it really makes you stand out or makes Charlotte stand out as, you know, a, a city that wants to thrive. And there's definitely a connection between Richmond retail and Charlotte retail. You know, even if you look at Slingshot, you know, they're a Richmond based company that was able to open up in South Bend. Um, you know, Alton Lane, you know, Bespoke Suits, they are another company that came out of Richmond. So there's clearly uh, an investment opportunity there that they're now coming down here. So there's some parallels between what's happening there in business and what's happening here. Um, I just would love to explore as kind of that bridge to figure out how we can, you know, kind of retain some of our Black creators and, and entrepreneurs without going down the road to Atlanta or going elsewhere. We can keep some of that stuff here. Um, because, you know, we need that diversity. We need, you know, several different places to be able to, to support. Um, you know, last year was huge for me because I remember being at the forefront of, hey, I'm here because this person covers you as a black owned business and I want to spend my money and support you. And I, I love that feeling. Um, but it's, it's also a, a tough feeling to know that I'm struggling to stay here, you know, and, and trying to figure out where I belong here. So what, so what does, what would success look like for your organization? Like what, what would, what would, a, should walk me through what a win looks yeah. like? I think a win would be seeing, you know, there's 14,000 black owned businesses that were, you know, in the sen sentences at one point. And if I could even get that feeling, if I could walk into a black owned coffee shop and then walk into a black owned bookstore it's a great day. You know, that's a win for me. You know, um, when you think about where retail lies, I think B&W is probably the only black owned business in South End um, that I can think of off the top of my head. And that's that speaks volumes. You know, I was one of the only retail uh, black owned retail shops in Elizabeth. And these are prime locations. So I think wins will look like when you can go to these places and you can see that diversity right in front of your face. You know, you can go on that business and support and not have to go on Instagram 
and figure out where they're posting up today. Are they part of Front Porch Sundays? Um, are they at a different location on their food truck? When we can walk into these businesses and spend that dwelling time that you know you and I just talked about and feel what that's like to be a part of a different experience from another culture, I think that's when we'll start to feel you know, that win, so to speak. There was recently an article that got published about um, Mount Holly, you know, out there, there's three black owned businesses that are right next to each other. And you're able to, you know, see a venue if you needed an intimate space or purchase some popcorn or get some, you know, seafood, you know, at the seafood boil there. That's what wins would look like when you start to see those pops where you can go out and support them. So much to think about, and so much to think about from from somebody that that is just not used to looking at it through that lens. Um, do me do me a favor. You, you've you've already been really gracious with your time, Barry. Tell people how they can connect with you, how they connect with Shades of Moss, how they can connect with Mint City Connect. Sure. So um, on all Instagram um, handles, it's at Shades of Moss um, and at Mint City Connect. Um, at Mint City Connect is still fairly new, but definitely follow us as we continue to share stories of what it's like for some of these businesses to go out and find commercial retail spaces. And we'll be sharing those and, and, and their journey with everyone. Um, and you can follow me personally at Green Thumbs. That's at G-R-E-E-N-E-T-H-U-M-B-Z on Instagram. All right. I'm going to hit you with a couple uh, knee jerk questions, Barry. You ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. Um how can this initiative grow? Would you ever take this back to Nashville or Richmond or, or is it enough to just kind of get the word out in Charlotte and continue to build the black owned business community in Charlotte? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I'm going to be really looking into is having those conversations with those, you know, owners in Richmond and see what exactly was done there. What, it, how was that initiative taken um, and kind of bring some of those wins back here to, to give them a test. Um, the other thing is just getting, again, those conversations with, you know, people like yourself, developers, the more this conversation is had, where we can be at the beginning of that, that drawing, the first time you sketch a building and we're in your, in your mind as a, as a potential tenant, I think that's where you'll start to see a lot of that growth. How do you see this concept morphing in the future? Uh, and how can, do you have any aspirations to out in more of building classes on, you know, what it takes to talk to a guy like me. Because honestly, if, if I get a phone call and the person doesn't sound savvy on the other end, I don't care, you know, what color they are, where they're right. from. Like if, if, if they're not hitting me with smart questions and right. answering the questions that I'm asking them in a specific way that shows knowledge and shows a grasp of, of the process, Click. <laughs> yeah, Chances yeah. are they're not going to call back, right? So, so do you think education and um, just knowledge creation should be or could be a part of this? Yeah, it's it's definitely sharing of the knowledge, and you know, it's it's one thing to share where you get your vendors from, but we want to share, you know, who wrote your business plan, who, you know, what what lending you know company did you go through? Those conversations. Um, those were, you know, conversations with people like yourself who's already been established and me sharing that information with um, black creatives and entrepreneurs and giving them that hope that, hey, like if you get your ducks in a row and you have your business plan and you, you know, you have your vision, 
it's easy to have these conversations. It's about being authentically you, but also having that, that, that education and that background where you can speak to what you want. You can speak to your vision and not just, you know, be so out there that it just sounds, you know, dreamy, you know, it's like, no, these, this is something that you can actually get a return investment on your money. And then, uh, you know, that's an intriguing conversation enough for you to want to have that conversation back where they're getting those responses that they want. Yeah, hundred percent. I think just educating and, and even, of course, doesn't have to be any specific race. I like, I think that just educating people that are trying to get into business on the process, like what does it take to, to go to a brick and mortar store? Maybe there's a, maybe there's a food truck or a catering operation that happens in between there. I think that could be extremely extremely helpful in the long run. Cause it's a joke. Cause like I never learned about like taxes and credit scores in high school. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did nobody ever tell me how taxes and a credit score works? Uh, I think this is kind of, this can be considered the same thing. Like it's, there's fundamental things that, that I wouldn't know if I wasn't in this business, you know? Right. 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 And that's, and that's all it is. It's just taking that additional time to, to have the conversations and make sure everyone's feel comfortable to even have the conversations and not be afraid to be open about their dreams and their visions and sharing it with others um, and knowing that it'll, it'll actually come into fruition. Well, Barry, I just want to take a second and say thank you, acknowledge you for taking time out of your day. Uh, obviously, right now, everybody that, that's still open in business has a million things and you're not only creating a thriving business, but you're trying to make a difference. You're trying to make a difference in something you believe in. And I just want to acknowledge you, say thank you for coming on and educating me, educating listeners, on, on what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, I, hopefully, hopefully somebody's listening to this right now and wants to, wants to get involved. I can tell you that I think it's a great idea just to, just to put out, you know, some literature on, on how to, how to take those first steps to understand what it's going to take to, to get your business up and running. And I, and I'm sure that we could find, you know, some lenders and some other kind of key players, architects, construct, construction people, maybe somebody from the development community that would, that would help, um, help do that. So I, I just appreciate you coming on and, and, and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you, Adam.